Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in Hawks fans. Your boy Bryce Lewis back at it again for another Believe in Hawks episode. As we come back and recap the last two games, the Atlanta Hawks have just played in two losses. So we're going to break down what happened in both of those games and some similar themes that I've been seeing and a common theme that we've just seen throughout the season that I'll bring up today. And then we'll just go ahead and look ahead for the week as we have some big injury news as the return of Jalen Johnson could be right around the corner. We already had Kobe Bufkin be activated for the first time yesterday against the, uh, not the Miami Heat. That was Saturday. Actually, no, that was Friday. Wow. Okay. The Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, but, sorry, guys. You know, I get my days tuned sometimes. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna break all that down today on the Believe Rocks podcast. I uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. You already know if you're first time watching the podcast, go ahead and subscribe, like the video. Uh, go ahead get, so you can skip, turn on notifications so you can see more Believe in Hawks podcast episodes as well. And then on top of that, if you're listening to me through audio, same thing, leave a rating, leave a review on the pod. Go ahead, give your thoughts. Uh, you know, try to be involved in, in anything. And also, if you want to just you know interact with me. Uh, best place to reach me is Twitter, Bryce underscore 2K. So go ahead, follow me on there. And also say that you came from the Believe in Hawks podcast so I can start identifying uh, my listeners. So that's obviously a big thing, too. So, yeah, that's how that goes, guys. Let's go ahead and dive right into it. The Hawks coming off two back-to-back losses and back-to-back days against the Miami Heat and the Memphis Grizzlies. Miami Heat game was a story of the Hawks. I felt like I'll play the Miami Heat, but they just didn't make shots. The Hawks went cold. And that's what cost them. They had a lot of good looks, but weren't knocking them down. And and I and I feel like it's one of those games that you can easily be frustrated with as a fan. But there was a lot of people on Twitter who was saying, I understand. And what I mean by that is like, it's one of those games where it's like, yeah, we should have won. But it was something that was like, you know, if, if you've played sports, there are the occasional day, the occasional game that you just don't got. It. You just as either as a team or as a player. You just you just not you just not on it. You're not gonna be great all 82. There's gonna be a game that you're just kind of off. It happens. Happens it happens to everybody. Obviously, the greater you are, the less it happens, but it happens. Hawks as a team were off. Uh, one of the biggest things they did in those in the in the games prior leading up to Miami was they were shooting over 40% from three. They did not do it in this game. And then they just the offense, they were able to get in waves in certain moments in certain situations, which helped them get over the hump. Same, but then the Memphis game was a bit of a different story. Memphis was more of a game where you started off good, you had two good quarters, and then the third quarter was your bad quarter, and you just could never overcome it. And the Memphis Grizzlies, again, I said with John Morant back, they are a different team now. I mean, he's their star. So it's not surprising that they're on this winning streak now. And shoot, for all we know, they may be able to make a push towards the playoff because John's back. I mean, that, that's and that, and that can show you how good they've played. They haven't played scrubs since Jaws been back. They've played some good teams and they've been able to win those games. So uh, they were able to make everybody do what they need to do in the second half against the Hawks. And Desmond Bain went crazy as well. I mean, and obviously the Heat game, the, I guess the biggest thing you would be frustrated with in that game is just the fact that Duncan Robinson got off. Listen, Tyler Hero is a certified scorer. So Tyler Hero gets off. All the best thing you want to do is just try to make it difficult for him. But guys like Duncan Robinson, you're like, we can control, we can contain those guys. And you didn't contain him. And he went off in a quarter. Can't really have that. I think what he did, what he had like what 20 points in a quarter or something. I mean, I would have to check, but he, he went crazy. And everybody was just like, Yeah, we can't, we, we can't have that. We can't have that at all. So, um, you know, there, there are definitely takeaways from both games that 
are, you know, the reason why the Hawks lost. But ultimately, I want to get into the topic of the ultimate issue the Hawks have had, especially since Jalen Johnson's been out and why it's been further exasperated by these extra injuries as well. Obviously, we already know that this Hawks team fully healthy has the defensive challenges, but they're a little bit better. The front line is pretty decent. Capella, Jalen Johnson, DeAndre Hunter, it's a decent front line. Like, it's not crazy. I would say Jalen's your best defender out of that entire front line, uh, which is why he's so important. But, you know, it's it's not bad. You know, DeJounte has his nights, and then Trey's play better defensively. So, uh, overall, it's like starting-wise, like, okay, it's not the worst defensive lineup in the world, even though maybe they've struggled to, to guard um, at times which I also think came from rhythm, getting used to things, communication, things like that. Um, and then you got your bench, and then you got bogey, score, big score. Kongu, hope, you, you expect some defense and some scoring. And then that knife guy was has been a kind of a rotation this entire year under Quinn. With these injuries that have happened, I, I personally have just felt like that this team, they just don't have enough with the injuries. And, and and that's usually what the story would be if you have a lot of injuries. Like, oh, do you have enough? Can you get enough from the other guys to get over the hump? And I think the answer with the Hawks is no. Before this two-game losing streak, they won two in a row. DeAndre Hunter was out, came back, the Cleveland game, right? And then I believe he played two more after that, which was a two-game winning streak. Right. Well, well, he's been out the last two. They lost both. Biggest issue when when he's out, especially with Jalen out, is you have no wings. Bay is playing four, which I think is not his natural. Like Bay can. The thing is, just, it, the one thing about the NBA is it's about usage and it's about what what the plan is for that player. Bay can play four, but he should not be playing four thirty minutes a game. There's a difference. That's why. I think some people, and even I, have wanted them to use that bigger lineup more just to put Bay back at the three because that's a better position for him. And then you have more, I think, frontline protection when you have a Kongu, which I think a Kongu is getting more comfortable playing that four position and just offensively and defensively. I think every time he plays it and gets more time with it, he gets more, he gets more confident in what he's doing. So, you know, you have that. And you can move Bay back to his natural position. And I also think you should play Bruno. I've, I've said that. I, I, I don't see why we don't play Bruno. A lot of teams use three big men. We only use two. Why? I get, I mean, Bruno can shoot a three if he needs to. Like, it's not like you put him on the floor. Now you can't do certain things with him on the floor. I think you can still do certain things. I think he can still provide spacing potentially as well. That coin recovers. But uh, you don't really have enough. And, and ultimately what that comes from is, you basically rely on Trey, DeJounte, Bogey, Bay, Capella, and Akangu to be your offense. And here's the issue. Clint isn't known as an offensive player, so he can have those nights where he'll only give you single digits. Akangu has been up and down this season, so he'll, he gave you, I think, 19 against the Rockets, but then he came back and only gave you nine against Miami. And then... Bay has had struggles this year. I've, I've said this a couple of times on the podcast. Bay has been inconsistent. Um, he has games where he plays really, really well, and he has games where he doesn't give you a lot. And especially with a guy who isn't that great defensively, you need his offense to offset that. 
which this was a game where he struggled offensively. And he's been struggling the last couple of games, especially with the three ball, especially. He's been struggling with three, which was something that was a, a just a revelation last year when the Hawks traded for him at the deadline because he shot 41% the rest of the season. So he was he was a flamethrower for three. And that helped make the bench unit so great because now you had a flamethrower and bogey and you had him just knocking down rain threes for a team that struggled with a three-point shot last year. Now he's not making the shot. So you have your top six guys I just mentioned. Then I just talked about the inconsistencies of the top of three of those guys. So now you're relying on DeJounte, Trey, and Bogey to basically like kind of carry the team. And then Hope Bay has a good game. Congo has a good game. And Click Capella also has a good game. And it's tough because you're like I said, you're relying on five or six guys to carry the load against a team that may be able to go nine deep and have eight guys who can, who can score the ball. You know what I'm saying? It's like basically you need Trey to go berserk or DeJounte to go berserk or, or, or Bogey to go berserk to kind of make up for that. And the reason why it's such a problem as well is that the, the Hawks are not getting anything from the end of the bench. I mean, Garrison Mattress has been under the, the, the subject of fire from people because that man has given us two fat zeros in the last two games, I believe. That man has not scored a point. And that, to me, is just something... That to me is just something you can't have. You, you have to get something. Like I always said, all Quinn really wants him to do is knock down a couple of threes and play some and get some charges. You know, play with some effort, play with some energy on defense. I mean, he he understands Garrison Matthews is not someone we could ask to give us eighteen points. Like that's just not something we can ask for. You know, on a consistent basis. But can you? Can I? I but I. But he assumes I can ask Garrison to give me a couple threes a game, and to play and play with some energy. And the last couple of games, yeah, he's played with some energy. He's drawn some charges, but he's giving you he's giving you two fat zeros. So one of your starters aren't even giving you points. That's unacceptable. You can't do what okay, Oklahoma City did back in the day with Andre Robertson and Tabo Cephalosha. Where it's like, well, we have Russell and KD in them. They can carry the load. We just have like Andre or Tabo for defensive purposes. I mean, at least in those situations, those guys were known as defenders. Garris is not even that. <laughs> so you're basically, if he, and, and like I said, at the same time, too, Garris is not the best defender. He's playing the three. So he's getting, he could be barbecue chicken and he's not giving you any points. So he's a negative on the floor, basically. And people are like, why are we starting Garrison? Why are we starting Garrison? And I, and I know a lot of people would rather just Quinn just go ahead and let's just start Seth Lundy and just hope for the best with him. Just because he's young, people like his talent. He plays, he's played well with the Skyhawks, well, good in the Winter Classic um, and things like that. But, you know, that that's the Garrison is the trusted guy, right? But you're getting nothing from him. And then you're still getting nothing from the other guys, too, that you bring off the bench. Wesley Matthews, Patty Mills. Uh, tonight they only went to a eight man rotation, I believe. I think Seth Lundy was the eighth guy, uh, which I mean, he only gave you a three tonight, but he actually put some shots up tonight. And again, I feel like Seth Lundy, since he's, he's so new, and I really think for all the rookies this year, I think this was viewed as a development year for these guys. So it, it's, it's, so I always, always have to caution Vance and tamper their expectations. Like they're not, they weren't expected to come in here and have to be big contributors for the rotation. Like, this, they're expected to develop their game. I made a tweet. I said, for Seth Lundy, is interesting because I feel like the one thing they want to do with him is develop his whole game. They know he can shoot, but they want to develop his whole game because I, I, I've said 
that I feel like when Bogey leaves, that Seth Lundy may be his replacement. So that's something that, you know, I, I figured um, could still be in the works potentially. I mean, I don't know with injuries and things that happen that could change and then he could get to the rotation sooner and that's fine. It's just, you know, that's what I came into the season thinking. So, you know, you, you, you see him, he played early in this game, played, he played some decent, he played uh, some, some, I think nine minutes in the first half, which is some good time to play. Uh, he was, he was guarding, you know, Ja and Bane and obviously he had his struggles. I mean, listen, that, like I said, his, his thing is experience and reps. And plus those are two really, really good players. I mean, you're not going to expect Seth Lane to come in and lock those guys up. You know, you, you just want to see the energy and the effort in, in, in him accepting the challenge. I think that those are the things that coaches look for in that situation, which I think he did. Uh, but I mean, he didn't really give us a lot tonight either, but I'm not, again, like, I'm not going to go crazy about that because sometimes we get obsessed with what we see in the G League. Oh, a guy dropped 40. Why he not playing? And then he only can give you like three or six a game in, in the league and in, in NBA rosters. And I'm like, I mean, it's just different roles are different. Talent is different. Things like that. Now, I'm not saying Seth Lenny can't get to that point at all because don't 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 ever. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying like right now he may not be at that point where he can. But I also think it comes with confidence and reps. If he gets more confidence. And he gets more belief. And maybe if, like I said, if, if, if Quinn is willing to keep him in the rotation, which I'll get into in a second, uh, I think that could bode well for him. I think out of all of the rookies, he is the most playable to me because, I mean, Kobe can play. He just got back with his injury. I mean, he could play, but, I mean, like I said, I don't really see – same thing with AJ. It's like I don't really see where his path to play is unless a guy's out, like Bowie's out or, Ke- or Dirk Jante's out or something. Or, you know, when we lose front line guys, do they give him an opportunity? Um, and then I know we, he's still working on his body, things like that, uh, just trying to get up to that NBA, NBA level where he needs to be in those regards to his physical assets. But, um, pause. Uh, but um, you know, I think that, you know, Seth could be a contributor. I, I've said that I think when Jalen and DeAndre get back, that ninth guy usually gets between five to ten minutes a game for this for this team because so they. I'm assuming they're going to go back to eight man rotation, but uh, primarily in terms of bulk of minutes. But uh, I think Seth Lundy should be the ninth guy. I, I think Seth Lundy should be the ninth guy. I think he. I mean, listen, we don't know what's happening with AJ. Like I said, wishing him the best. Hope he's okay. Uh, so we're going to have to assume he's just not part of this team right now. So we're going to have to look forward. And outside of that, Seth Lundy should be next up to me. Let him let him get an opportunity to kind of get that experience. Like I said, you're not asking him for a lot. You're not asking him for 20 a game. We need you to play 35 minutes. You're going okay, give me five, 10 minutes. Give me a couple of threes. Play some decent defense. That That's good. And then, you know, if injuries happen, maybe you show enough. Coaches may trust you with a little bit more minutes just because of that. Maybe you can do a little bit more from that and kind of go from there, kind of show the coaches that you deserve more time. But, um, yeah, so him, I think he should be in the rotation when we get healthy, again, when Jalen gets back and everything. So, and, and it's kind of crazy. I know people were very critical of, of Quinn earlier this season because he 
went to I mean he basically plays eight guys and that ninth guy is kind of like just extra filler time to, to to give some guys some rest. And people are like, well, we're gonna tire out the players. Well, listen, one thing we know is the Hawks have one of the best top eights in the in the league. I think we all can agree on that. They have a strong top eight. But the problem is, is that you've seen through the injuries, they don't have a lot outside of that. And that maybe is why Quinn did not go to nine guys or even 10. Because he's like, we don't really have a lot outside of the top eight. And I need my best players on the floor most of the time if we're going to win games. We can't, you know what I'm saying? Because the veterans are what they are, and the young guys are are projects and developments. So, you know, you you, you kind of have that 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 threshold, you know, of of where you want to be with that. So AJ, obviously being out, you know, leads to the rookies kind of taking that step, and obviously Muhammad Gay is not going to probably be back. I've said till like February, March of next year. It seems like to me, um, depending on his recovery. So, and like I said, we'll see. I'm sure we'll see Kobe in a game this season. Uh, I think one thing about Quinn is, thing we haven't talked about is that Quinn has done a job. We've Some people question his rotations, but he has given guys opportunities in certain games to play. He has given Seth Lundy a chance to play. He, he I would think he would give Kobe a chance to play. He gave Garrison a chance to play. He gave Wesley a chance to play. He gave, obviously that was different because we were down a center, but he gave Bruno a chance to play. Um uh, so he's not so he so it's it's this is good for him to evaluate those guys and to see okay if we're fully healthy who do I feel comfortable maybe going to off the bench uh in certain situations or in certain matchups potentially um and I think that that's something that you know they have to look into and figure out but it's a start it's something um but I think that should be the rotation top eight guys normal then Seth Lundy. And then they could even go 10. I Like I said, they, if they want to do maybe sometimes you're playing a bigger team, you know, maybe maybe you play Jalen DeAndre, but then when you bring Bay and Bay plays three, a Kongu plays four. And just kind of do that rotation so you can still keep size on the court. And like I said, don't be afraid to play Bruno. So you can keep size on the court. And that way, you got, you got those guys, and then you can still kind of stay bigger and compete better against bigger teams. That's just something I think they shouldn't be uh, afraid to use or do. Um, one thing about these last two games as well, I I feel like defensively, even though they're still giving up a lot of points and the percentages don't look great, I do feel like there are moments where they seem to be playing better competently defensively. I mean, their biggest issue is they just give up runs. They either have just a terrible quarter or a terrible stretch, and then that's what whatever lead or whatever – success they've had for a lot of these games that's where they just completely like lose the game right there but I feel like they have moments of of, 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 especially against Miami I felt like even though Miami won it it felt like defensively didn't play terribly that game they just allowed that stretch especially in the third quarter when they got out to that big lead and then they just blew it you know that's kind of lost the game for you so you have that and so on and so forth. And and right now, like I said, with the injuries, just, it's just going to be hard for the Hawks to win like this. I just think they don't have enough to put so much pressure on the top guys to score. If not, they just don't get enough from the other guys to make up for it. it it's kind of funny, but when you look at an NBA game, those couple of threes from Garrison, maybe a three by Wesley, maybe even a couple by Seth, 
all those matter. You know, those, those things matter in the, in the grand scheme of a game, getting those extra few points. And that's something I feel like has hurt this team. Is they, they just don't get those extra few points from their, those guys. So you can't be playing Garrison almost 20 minutes and getting zero points. You're, you're playing him a chunk of time to get nothing. Garrison played one. If Garrison played five minutes, give you zero points, fine. It's five minutes, whatever. 20, that's unacceptable. So I, I get everybody kind of being on the, yeah, we got to get Garrison out of there. We we got to make a move. We got to do something. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I get that. Because you're just looking at it from a situation of like, if we're going to play him that type of minutes and that's the production he's giving us, it's going to be hard for us to win. It's going to be hard for us to be successful. And it's going to be hard for this team to get back to 500. Now, luckily, you're in the Eastern Conference right now where you're get your 11th right now, if you're the Hawks. You're a game behind Chicago, who has a losing record, who you play Tuesday. You also, I believe the ninth seed also has a losing record, which is Brooklyn. They've been on a losing streak. And then the AFC right now is the Pacers, who are at 500. So realistically, I mean, if you if you could just become a 500 team, you you could be uh, eighth in the Eastern Conference, which I mean, still playing, but you're in the top eight, and then you can kind of work up from there. But they, I think that just not getting enough from the guys is is hurting this team, and I think that's why they they need to get healthy fast. They need to get healthy quick. They need to get healthy. Like I said, I'm not expecting Jalen to fix every issue that we have. But I feel like this has been an experimental period, I think, for Quinn. And with what you've seen, I think you should be able to sit there and say, okay, I can go back to my top eight, but maybe Seth Lundy is deserving of more minutes. Maybe Bruno is deserving of more minutes. Let's try those things out and see what that looks like. And and if because if you can get production and good minutes from guys like that on the back end of your bench and your rotation, that can do a lot for the top eight. And maybe you may even entrust more minutes into them so you can maybe not play bogey or someone as many minutes, potentially. But going into that, we're going to transition to injury news. Jalen Johnson, reportedly Adrian Wardronowski tweeted out, ESPN Insider, that Jalen Collins, uh, what am I about to say, Jalen Collins, <laughs> that don't want to bring up that name, Falcon fans get miseries. Uh, Jalen Johnson is, is on track to be back as soon as Tuesday, which is against the Chicago Bulls, in a big game right now, technically, for the first time we played the Bulls all season. Uh, many Hawks fans are excited for that. Many Hawks fans are praying for that. Uh, Jalen has made good progress. We've seen him getting up shots in practice. Um, he seems fine. He was cleared from full practice work uh, last week. So it seems like he's progressing pretty well. Kobe came back, so they were clear around the same time. So it seems like that, you know, they both are in good places to, to, you know, get back, and that reflects on Jalen as well. So, you know, we'll see if that he'll he's easy to go. I mean, if he's listed as questionable, that tells you, okay, yeah, he could play tonight. I mean, the biggest thing I would expect from Jalen coming back is I, since he's been off for like a month and a week, you know, you always say game shape, playing into game shape, you know, Jalen might need to get his win back. Uh, so I don't know if they're going to have him on a, like a pitch count. I don't even know on a pitch count. They're going to have him on a minutes restriction um, where he'll play. I could see him playing like 25 minutes 
kind of just get them easing back in. You know, I mean, you know how these games go. You say that, and, you know, if he's playing well and the game's close, it's like, all right, well, I guess we'll keep him in there. But, uh, but uh, you know, I I mean, but they may give him full go. I mean, for all we know, Clint may be like, you're full go. So it, it'll just be big to get him back because of what he does on both ends. Because he, he will guard the team's best offensive player and will also go and give you 20 at the other end. And also has good passing ability and is not a bad rebounder. And can give, and he also is a player that I've said provides juice. He's just a Hawks guy who just outside of Trey, who just gives you juice. Like he re, he gives you like he can really just force his will on a team. You know, it's just him getting confident in his in his game and his skill to do that. But um, like I I feel like him coming back would be big for for this team just to get themselves right. And get themselves in a good place, you know. Because if we look at the coming games, they play Chicago, which you hope that's a win. You know, in a way, you kind of need that to be a win. Play Sacramento, tough game, but they're coming home. But the Hawks have not been a good home team this year, so don't know if that's a good thing. Now, um, they play Sacramento, then you play Washington, then you play Oklahoma City, then you play Indiana, then you play Orlando. So you have a you have the Hawks. It feels like don't. It feels like the Hawks don't have like four or five games in a row where it's like, all right, these are some pretty easy, beatable teams. They're always playing like playoff teams, top of conference teams along the way. So it's like, well, we can beat the bad team, but then we got this team. We're like, I don't know if we're going to beat them. But let's say you beat Chicago, you're 13 and 17. You got the Kings. If, you, if you're able to do what you need to do there, it could be a win. You, beat, you should beat Washington. Play Oklahoma City. You played them more the last time in Oklahoma City. Um, so I think that's a winnable game if they play better. And then Indy, we all know what happened last time we played Indy. Just a high-scoring affair. Could be that again. But Indiana is not playing as well as they were at that time. Ever since the in-season tournament, Indiana has gone down. So that that's a game to toss up. Orlando, you beat them. Orlando's been a surprising team. Some people don't take them seriously. think they're for real. 17-11. Hawks have won a game already. That was obviously not in the States, but they've, they've won a game already against Orlando. So, you know. And then you play Philly, who a team that you've played twice and just haven't been able to give her the hump against. So, you know, you 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 have a pretty decent schedule coming up of opponents that you got to get ready for. So, Jalen Johnson coming back for that stretch will help, but we'll also see. And obviously, we're entering January, so we're getting close to the trade deadline. So. Do not be surprised if you hear trade rumors heat up, which I will also talk about because obviously our boy Jake Fisher, uh, Mr. Hawks insider, even though he's not a Hawks insider, he just is a guy who's inside, especially around this time. He becomes very talks about all the things that could happen for the trade deadline. Says DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella could be moved or both be moved or willing to move both. Something I've talked about before. Um I feel like they want to get an upgrade over Hunter to get more juice from that position. Hunter has played, I mean, Hunter's shooting 4% from three. So it's not like he's played terribly. It's just the injuries, been over on his knee. Uh, and then, because he had knee issues a lot in his career. And then, you know, he just, it feels like he just doesn't give you the juice that you need from that position. And they're obviously Siakam and Lloyd Mark and have been mentioned as potential options for the Hawks. Uh, so, I mean, I would, I would think, I, I feel like it's a higher chance that Hunter gets moved before Capella, you know? Because I could see them thinking like, okay, let's say we get Siakam, hypothetically. 
And then you have Jalen, you have Clint. It's like, all right, that defensive front line is pretty good. Like you got, you got your rim protector. You got Jalen who can defend two way. Siakam defend two way. You, 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 I could see them being like, all right, let, let's see, let's see how Capella does with this, and see how this team looks with the Siakam, and then maybe this summer explore Capella trade. Uh, one thing also I said, even if the Hawks trade for Siakam or whoever, the Hawks need to get some depth. Either you need to put your rookies in there and say you're going to be our deaf, or you need to trade for some good deaf that you need because injuries happen in this league. You're going to have injuries again, so you need to make sure that you have guys who can come in and reliably play. I know a lot of people have given the front office a lot of slack for lack of quality deaf that we have behind our guys, so it's just something else to also look at as well when they're looking around and make a move, getting some deaf for this team so that way they can continue to, if they have injuries, at least have guys who can hold up the fort until the guys get back. Because obviously they're in this period of time, these stretch of games. I hope that this is kind of show Landry Fields. All right, we need to make some adjustments on the back end of our team, just because if we have if we have injuries, we're basically not good. So, and you want to be able to hold up because there are teams who lose their guys and still have a good have enough quality depth to still be able to win games and compete. Hawks have not. So, you know, we 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 gotta we gotta get more out of the out of that part back in the rotation, back in the bench. But, yeah, so that that is your Believe in Hawks podcast, guys. Uh, I think we talked about a lot today. Broke it down for you guys last two games for the Hawks. Tough losses, but, you know, they get a chance to rebound Tuesday against Chicago with potentially the return of Jalen Johnson. So excited to see how that goes. Obviously, guys, you know who it is, your boy Bryce Lewis. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, Bryce underscore 2K. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube and like the video. And also, if I'm on my audio listeners, don't forget to leave a rating or a review. But that's all we got for you guys today. Thank you for tuning into the Believe in Hawks podcast, the Believe Podcast Network. Boy Bryce Lewis, we'll see you next time.